Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the High Hopes Podcast. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Yeah, it is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast, a... We are back edition of the House Podcast. Look, I know they lost today and we were all ready to roll in today, you know, sweeping it up, being out of control and whatever. But like, like, whatever. It's a baseball game. It was cold out. They didn't show up. That that stuff happens. This this team's fun, man. It, this is going to be special. Fritz and I got to hang out to start the season to watch the Schwarbaum together. We got lots of stories. Uh, um, uh, I know they lost today, but it, it couldn't damper my high. I'm, I'm really excited for it. Oh, and by the way, to, I said a, a hello to everyone with a new season. I should say to the longtime listeners, a happy and arty hello, friends, oh. to all the new listeners, especially this weekend of all weekends. So um, happy to have everyone back for a new season and, and hopefully more. Um, how you doing, pal? How you feeling? You know, I don't appreciate that uh, because... <laughs> No, it's it's like it's like it's you, Masters weekend. Come on, I pal. know, but it's like you knew I had money on Cam Smith heading into today, and I needed him to close it out, and he choked. And How did you bet against Scotty Scheffler? I mean, because he looks like he's looks like think. he's forty five and he's twenty five. You know, how old Scotty Scheffler is. He's twenty five. I know. I know. He's the oldest looking twenty five year old I've ever seen in my entire life, James. It is absolutely brutal. Um, now I won't. I'm not that mad because Scheffler won me like money in the earlier this uh, golf season, so it's okay. He's okay. But, James, um, I'm good. And uh, new motto of the High Hopes podcast. Uh, should I run this one by you uh, to start it off? And everyone out there, you can pick it up as you go along, okay? Uh, sweeps are bad. 
Sweeps are always bad, especially to start the season. <laughs> they're not good vibes, and they're not good starts to seasons for this Phillies baseball team in their history. So the official position of the High Hopes podcast and everyone out there listening is sweeps are bad. James, I'm doing great. Phils are back. Uh, today was excruciating. Um, you know what today like, was like? You ever like meet a new friend, and you're like, Oh, we're going to be best friends for the rest of time. Like he's clearly like the, or they are the best person ever. Like the best friends, you can hit it off immediately. That's what the first two games were. And then the third game was like, oh, it's like you kind of see that little bit of like, well, maybe not, but you can get past it. That's how I felt about today's game. It was like, hi, 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 hi. And then three and a half hours in the rain, wondering why the heck I just wasted three hours of my Sunday watching Phillies baseball, but still overall positive heading out of the weekend yeah i well done you nailed that analogy you it's like you know, you're hanging out with someone it's like three three times and you're like wow they're really into halo that's kind of weird <laughs> like really into it but yeah or like he kind of so, sounds a lot so, he sounds a so lot good. like charlie day like he sounds yeah. a lot ah, like charlie day look at you <laughs> look at you yo i uh we were in the building for the opener together, standing next to each other for the shore bomb that, you know, I hate to, you know, feed the ego, but Fritz did call on the Hios podcast. What? I mean, you did. It's okay. I hate to, you know, give you any credit for anything. I mean, yeah, you were completely bit, right? dead wrong about Kyle Gibson, so we'll get to that. But, um, like, you'll back me up, man. Like, the enter- every single person was in their seat for the start of the game. The I mean, there was a freaking curtain call on the first hit of the season. Like, a homer started the season, a curtain call. And, like, it it really I, – I know we had that Met series and, you know, yay, that Met series. It was, at least for me, the most it felt like the bank was back in a long time. Like, it felt like there was a real energy in that ballpark, and people were really locked in on the Philadelphia Phillies. And, you know, it's the openers. There's always going to be that kind of added energy and juice. But I don't know. Uh, it felt it felt pretty awesome on opening day there. The fact that you keep poo-pooing the Mets series, and just like you you can, <laughs> you can just put it down. Like, like it didn't happen. Like, it wasn't a big deal. I mean... It was, it was. It was incredible. And result, end result was a bummer. Listen, this, this, this hopeful. This was hopeful. I didn't think they were gonna lose yeah, four to the V-backs or whatever, or lose two of their, or lose five of their next seven. But it happened. This doesn't take away from what the Mets' start was. It was, it was a remarkable day down at the bank, um, and opening day was up there with that game for me in terms of electricity. Um, it was like. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I was like walking around the ballpark and I was just, I was just so, I was just so locked in on getting to a spot where we could see because James and I were not, uh, we didn't have tickets and we were wearing all kinds of Phillies gear. So, you know, not allowed in the press box. Um, so or would I want to be in the press? Right. Box? Like, like I'd rather, I would rather. You know me. I'm not the best at like containing my emotions. I'm, oh, really? You know, um, yeah. I'm like a fist pump, uh, a yell out loud kind of guy. You're a clap in the press box guy. Yeah, frowned upon in the press box. So I just avoid the press box. That's my general philosophy. But like, I was just pacing around so nervous. Like I I was, I was so 
like geared up and geeked out, just just waiting for the game to start, waiting for the season to start. I needed the season. And a perfect day, by the way. Oh, like unbelievable. A perfect. Like you can't. It was like a, a movie script opening day in terms of weather and sunshine and atmosphere. Yeah, and and yeah, Nola goes out, and of course it's like awesome for the first inning and yeah, I could just sense everyone like all right there he is 2018 Nola <laughs> and, then, and then six innings later the real Aaron Nola showed up but um yeah and then the Schwarber Homer well, go ahead all right well the Schwarber Homer happened and I mean <laughs> three two count like he does everything that we said all all spring training long was like yeah Schwarber seems to always be in three two counts first at bat of the season, Schwarber gets another three-two count, and then takes out a nine-iron and golfs one off a scoreboard. Like it was, it was such a triumphant, beautiful Nirvana-ish feeling. Uh, like the ball sailing out. Uh, I turn around, Seltzer's like mouth open, like starts sprinting <laughs> around, like starts sprinting around the concourse. Like, did that happen? Uh, I almost broke my hand slamming the little little steel guardrail thing. Um, and it was just an absolute party. I think I blacked out straight for like two minutes. I really did. Like, Schwarber made the curtain call. I was a, a, a sudden, curtain call. Yeah. A uh, curtain call on the first play of the season. Like, when Like when does that happen? I don't ever remember that. Like, McCutcheon, there was no curtain call that when that happened. Like, at least as far as I remember. Maybe there was. But, like, that was pretty wild, man. Yeah, it was. I mean, it, it just, it just, it was, impo- it's impossible not to think about the video yearbook look, th- <laughs> looking back Already. on opening day and how it was that moment everyone kind of realized we might have something here. I mean, doesn't it just sound like a video yearbook, James? Well, I love, you know, Major League, my favorite sports movie ever, my favorite baseball movie. Like, I just love Major League. And, Granted, this is kind of like the McCutcheon thing flies in the face of this, but but the line at the you know Lou Brown that says I think it's Lou Brown is like um, talking about when Willie Mays Hayes goes to bat or whatever he's like you know or someone says it to Lou Brown where they're like you know the first at bat of the season tells you what your team's gonna be you know and he hits the little dribbler and beats it out to first, um, but. You know, if the first of the season tells you what this team's going to be, I think it's pretty appropriate. And that's what I was going to say before when I almost jumped in on you is like to your point about the NOLA thing where it was like, it's very funny because the first game of the season, really from the first at bat of the season, the, you know, the Homer leadoff plus like the way the game played out, the, you know, winning nine to five in the first place, pouring on the runs, but, you know, having the, the Nola kind of meltdown at the time he always melts down the, the errors that lead to runs in that spot, the defense coming back to you. Like, it was like, it felt like that first game was such a microcosm of of what everyone expected this team to be this season. It, it was it was everything we all thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah, they they mashed. They had good vibes. They let a game get close late. There was a brutal defensive inning that that uh, you know probably would have sunk last. Like, <laughs> I guess my take is that the last year's team loses probably two or three this weekend, you know, know like they, they, know. they blow that game. Um, I did have to break out. Feels like a loss in the first game, by the way, 
Um, a lot of people uh, did not know what that was because people got very oh, wow. upset. Oh, very. Like, uh, new crew. Imagine whole all the new stuff crew. you're going to get them on this year. Well, it's a whole new crew, and it's like it's like I got to teach a whole new group of people how I do things, which is <laughs> it's it's kind of it's kind of annoying, you know. Like they're winning. On, I, I tweeted something Saturday about how like the, the they're going to be unbelievable. Whatever vibes are great, and there was a lot of a lot of. You said this felt like a loss yesterday. Well, it's like, come on, people. I tweet that 150. I literally yeah. t- responded to a guy. I said I tweet that 150 times a year. Like, welcome, pal. This is what this is what we do here. Um, so yeah, we have to we have to uh, integrate a whole new group of, of of followers, which I guess is good for the brand, but also like, I feel bad for the others that have been here all along that don't have to, you know, you know, get it all, learn it all again. So it is what it is. You know, we're working through it, but. <laughs> If anyone could do it, it's you, buddy. If anyone can, can you know, herd a group, and you know, get them to to follow what yeah. you want them to do, it's you. Yeah. Well, it's like it's like uh, it's like preseason football, James, where you, where you're starting to start teams starting you to get come the together. kinks out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then by midseason, we're rolling, and no one's getting upset about it feels like a loss anymore. So. Yeah. So Friday was everything that pe- like it had. What people were positive about, the home runs, and then what people, the detractors of this team had, which was, wow, the defense can be brutal, and Nola's not an ace, and who knows about the bullpen. So it was hilarious. I was glad that we got both sides of the takes out in one game um, and really just set up for what should be a fun season. I mean, (laughs) there's no doubt in my mind they're going to mash. Like, even today, even losing today, it's like, yeah, but they hit, I don't know, five balls right on the screws that just happened to oh, be. Oh, I know. Like, I know. Maybe, the, maybe the, don't hit the ball to center field. You know, but like, the Cassianos Hoskins was like the the second inning or whatever. The Cassianos Hoskins back to backers were just like bullets, like bullets. I feel like Matt Veerling all weekend, by the way, was just hitting bullets to people as well. Like the Phillies did not have a ton of, you know, Babbitt block or whatever you want to call it this weekend. No, and you just know that. Um, as the season goes along, as it gets warmer, like those balls are are flying out of the stadium. I mean, Bryce hit a ball in the ninth that was uh, the same exit velo as Gene's home run. So you know, it's just today was just one of those bad games where, of course, you know, you, you want to sweep, you want good vibes all weekend long. But I don't know, if, like they hit the ball well all day. It just happened to be a really windy day with the wind blowing in. That's going to happen sometimes, and like. The A's had some cheap hits. Like I don't know. I don't know what people like. That happens in baseball games all the time. So um, really, Friday was perfect, and today was like a good welcome back to reality little yeah, Sunday. They're still the Phillies. They'll be. They're, there's <laughs> always gonna be Phillies moments. Yeah. No. And I'll take. I'll take all the blame for all the Seth Brown productivity over the weekend. As Jack and I were watching the start of the season together, and I'm looking through the A's lineup. I'm like, listen, like. I play fantasy baseball. I know most people in this league. I'm like, I know everyone else in the A's lineup, the Chad Pinders, the, you know, uh, uh, Billy McKinney's, whatever you want to say. I, I had heard of all these guys. I'm like, I'm like, who the hell is S Brown? I'm like, I don't know who this guy is, Seth Brown. And then he goes on to like be their best hitter for the weekend. Yes. But, uh, of course, uh, but I'm with you. Look, I think today maybe, especially because look, big series coming up, you know, I'd rather they, 
they not go into the Mets series, you know, smelling themselves or, or feeling like they can be a little lax or whatever. We've definitely had issues with this team with that type of stuff in the past. And I think that's going to change with Cassianos and Schwarber and the change in the, the clubhouse. But look, like we always say, two or three. If you win two or three all season long, you're going to be like a 105-win baseball team or whatever. So, you know, we're good, man. That's we're good. Math. Two or three. Now, now, to be fair, as I just point out, the A's lineup is an abomination. <laughs> we can say that. But, um, yeah, they got some good pitchers. That that bullpen isn't devoid of, of guys who could throw. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, like, it's one of those things where we've kind of – we talked about so much going in where you kind of, like, delude yourself each season, as especially maybe one person on this mm-hmm. podcast into <laughs> believing. But there's no reason to believe right now. I mean, like, this – like, it seems good. Like, we haven't even started talking about, you know, Jack Fritz's worst call of the season, you know, ripping on Kyle Gibson, who's at clearly the the best pitcher on the team. And, you know, you think swing and miss. You think Gibby. I mean, dude. Yep. Come on. It's fair to but, it's fair to expect 10Ks a game from Kyle Gibson now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, let's dive into some of this stuff. Like, like we, you know, we have got— Did I—hold that... on. Did I even rip Kyle Gibson that bad? I don't even think yeah, I ripped did, him that bad. Did. Little bad, you know. You were a little down on Kyle Gibson. The people weren't super happy about it. We love Gibby here in Philly. When? But, since know, when? Uh, you know, I'm just saying. Just saying. The guy didn't well, even know where Broad Street was, <laughs> and he's been here for he's been here for at least six months. Now. That that was insane. By the way, that was absolutely. I mean, insane. listen, Castellanos, yeah. I get it, but come on, Gibby, what are we doing? Yeah, not great. Gibby need that that that. Need to be better with that, Gibby. But one of the beautiful things about baseball being back, you know, obviously, like, it, it's super cool that we're doing a podcast talking about Phillies baseball. Just, like, again, we said it before, but I really I really didn't feel like we were going to have April baseball the way it was all playing out, and, and this is super fun. But with baseball back, we get Jack Fritz pitching breakdowns and not just off of, like, clips of years past or whatever, like – what did Gibby do so well? Why was Gibby so unhittable? Is it just that the A's are terrible? Or or is it like, you know, Gibby do something? Is there something maybe like that, you know, we're not expecting, you know, seven shutout with 10 strikeouts, you right. know, every week or anything. But like, you know, is there something there that that is like something people can get kind of excited about? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I <laughs> mean, very hesitant. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't want to go like overboard for shutting down the, right, the A's, which but is why, you know, I, I, I set it up that way. I'm not one to really ever go overboard on guys. Um, I'm usually, <laughs> I'm usually the fair and balanced one on this podcast. So well said, man. It's true. <laughs> so, so true. um, no, but all right. So with Gibson, the thing that I liked a lot, first off, I don't know where that like that sinker depth came from out of nowhere. Like it was, it was legitimately dancing. Um, and I just had never seen his sinker really do that. And I wonder if that's a, a, uh, grip change or something with, with Caleb Cotham. That was my one thought was like, Oh, I wonder if they made that pitch more efficient because it, it, it just never had that much movement to it. Like it always was a sinker and would do some things and would get ground balls, but it was, it was legitimately dancing in a way that I hadn't seen before. So that was my first thought. Uh, my second thought is that the split change is disgusting. I, I, it's a, it's a perfect pitch off of the sinker because the sinker is like 91 and it rides with down and in action, down and away to lefties. It's 91, and then if you have that split change up, 
it's the same exact, it looks the same out of the hand to the hitters, except it dives at the end and there's more depth to it. And it's like 82 miles an hour or whatever. Um, so it's a, it's a good mix up of, you know, depth and velocity taken off of his two seam slash sinker, which I just think is a really tough look for opposing hitters. Um, I think the cutter, like he had two plans of attack against righties and lefties that I thought was fascinating. And I think it's something that he can use a lot going forward. So against lefties, what he did a lot was he would get up and in on their hands with that cutter. And I just think that that's something that like the only way that a lefty really does damage with that pitch is if he leaves it down over the plate. Like if he can't get it in, then you can get some home runs, but if you can get up there and, and start it at the middle and, and get it up on these guys' hands, like it's not a pitch that these guys want to swing it because they're just going to end up taking it off the, the handle. Um, so that was interesting. But as soon as he felt like as soon as soon he felt like guys were starting to get on the cutter, what he did really well was either throwing that split change, starting it right down the middle and letting it fall off the end of, of the, uh, to the outside portion of the plate or throw a sinker and just getting these guys flailing at it. So pound cutters in to lefties, and then bang, sinker slash blood change up away. It's just, I'm telling you, as a hitter, you start gearing up for that, and then bang, he drops that on you. And it's just, that's a that's a good plan of attack by by Kyle Gibson, if I was on his, uh, you know, if I was his pitching coach. And then to righties, I thought was actually really interesting. Um was it was a lot of a lot of sinkers in. So he's trying to get in on righties, which is a good, you know, plan of attack. Stay in, stay in, stay in. And you know how I hated that curveball? I actually mm-hmm. it, it made sense how he was using it. It was like as soon as he felt like guys were were, were starting to square up the fastball slash cutter in, um no fastball slash sinker in, he would drop that curveball and it would be darting away from hitters rather than moving into hitters. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, wow, Kyle Gibson's going to be back to what he did in Texas in the first half of last year. But I think his plan of attack, the way he sequenced, I think he's, I think there was something on the broadcast yesterday, I think T-Mac brought up that he spent all offseason thinking about sequencing, thinking about how to go after hitters. And in his first start, it was exactly what you want to see. It was a really good plan of attack. And it's something that I think can be sustainable going forward. Now, I thought he got tired in the seventh. I thought he kind of got bailed out. Um, just like, you know, he kept he kept having cutters up that, you know, as the season goes along, probably get hit 450 feet. But for the first six innings, it was like, this is something that could be sustainable. So, Gibby, uh, I'm sorry for the, for the, for the comments <laughs> of not totally being a Kyle Gibson guy. Um, but first start, uh, given what he talked about sequencing, it really, really was a, a positive start. And if they can get Kyle Gibson, <laughs> I mean, to be a a good five slash four, I mean, the upside of this team is just is just way higher than before. Yeah, he's a he's a great five. And like if he can be even mentioned like a four to your point, then it's like, wow. And obviously it was, you know, outstanding in this game, but a bad A's lineup and you know, like we saw today, sometimes teams just don't have it and all that. But you got to be able to, to carry forward. But I think as a five, he's, you know, he's really good as a five. Um, we'll get to Eflin in a sec. But a, a few other quick things. We got C. Canable back to back. Jose Alvarado experience, like, of course, you know, gets us scared a little bit, got out of it, but whatever. But 
Knable, uh, first of all, nice to see him in back-to-back nights. And I didn't know Joe Girardi allowed that, especially early in the season. Um, but it's really nice. I just want this guy to stay healthy so bad because I think, you know, we have a chance to see the the best closer season in Philly in a long time. Well, you know I mean, since Lidge. Best closer season in Philly's you know, history. You, call, you heard like, it here first. Best ever wow. in the history of the Phillies. Yep, 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 Co- yep, yep. Corey, or as we call him on this yep. podcast, 49 for 49. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's a bold take early from Seltzer. I got to be he's honest. He's going to go 49 for 49, close out the World Series, and he's not going to blow the All-Star game. How about that? Yes. that would. That's that's the major key to this whole thing. Will he, stri- <laughs> will he strike out Eric Hensky to finish the season uh, like Ledger did in 08? Because I think Hensky is a hitting coach somewhere. So maybe they oh, can bring so him off the it's bench. possible. I like that. Yeah. This is, this is, you know, in the realm of possibility, not out of the game, None. you know? Um, um, but what do you see from Knable? Like, obviously, I think a lot of people, you know, we've been saying how, how good he is and it just seems to stay healthy, but a lot of Phillies fans got their first look at Knable this weekend. <laughs> well, I mean, how could you not be, like, excited? I don't know. It's it's <laughs> like it's it's a relentless attack of fastballs up in the zone, which are hard to – work with anyway and then a legitimate you know hammer curveball it's it feels like i'm watching like ian kennedy on steroids i guess you know like it's it's pretty much the same stuff as ian kennedy except everything's better um so you know i don't think it's gonna be a, I, I just i don't know how even when even when he allowed the run yesterday or whatever or and i, I felt i felt people like oh you should probably tweet feels like a loss right now um I was saying in my head, like, I, I think he's just, I think he's really hard to square up for an entire ninth inning. I've said that a couple of times, but I just don't know how you put, uh, like, unless he's walking guys and and putting guys on base that, you know, giving them free passes, I don't know how you consistently put up a, a tough uh, front against them because it, it's it's relentless. It's it's power stuff up in the zone with a wipeout curveball. I don't think I saw the the mystery pitch that he was teasing before the season, um, but it's just it's just tough to hit. He's tough to square up. He's tough to consistently. Like it's a it's a heavy ninety six. It's not you know it's not like, it's just it's something that's hard to get on top of. So um, if he's healthy, the closer position is not going to be a problem for this team. It's it, he is he is really good. Uh, he when he's healthy and in 2017 he was an all-star he was I mean if the Dodgers want you you're probably pretty good um, <laughs> <laughs> that's like our, our rule of thumb and I just think that the back end of the bullpen is not going to be an issue and you couple that with what Sir Anthony did well that was going to be my <laughs> next question before we moved on to Sunday's game like what we got to see from Sir Anthony on Friday was so encouraging oh my god it's like like dude like electric at times just easy it was just like wasn't wasn't walking people just came in through strikes and came in through strikes and was hard to square up, which is all you can ask for at the back of the bullpen. And, so, and it had that like natural lift. The fastball had that natural lift it used to have at the end, the late life, you know, that used to make him so like so special when he first came up was so impressive. It, you know, you saw that. Well, so what I'm what I'm what I'm thinking is it does that mean that He's going to be the setup guy, or are they going to use him in a in a like a rover thing? Fireman, yeah, it's a great question. I think I would guess right now setup man and and keep him in a spot for now because you know he's just getting back and hasn't thrown a lot of innings and all that. Maybe you put him in a more defined role, but 
you know, he's obviously the best option on the team to be that Rover guy, you know? Yeah, he is. Um, but it seems like, like, I guess I would have used him how he used Familia in that, in that seventh. Um, sure. but yeah, I don't know. I, th- I thought it was interesting. Um, and I wonder if that's going to be his kind of, cause I feel like Girardi is one of those guys where it's, it's like, oh, well, these guys have to have roles and they have to, they have to know what they're going to do. And, and even though that's kind of been debunked in a lot of ways, it kind of feels that way, but I don't know. I just don't think it's the best use of his, of his value in a sense is just having him for the eighth inning you know, up one or two. You know, I think his best value is still being able to come in any situation and get out of it. So um, that's one for me to monitor. You know, I'm glad he pitched well. It was a very, very fast inning. Like I went back and rewatched it. Uh, I think Saturday morning, and like the 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 eighth inning on MLB TV was like so small I couldn't even pause it. It flew by. Yeah. yeah, it just flew by. It I was couldn't pause it. It was like, wow, he's out of it already. That was quick. Well, first of all, it's not supposed to be that easy, James. I mean, we've, yeah. we've watched a lot of Phillies baseball. Um, you know, at least they make it a little bit interesting. Sir Anthony didn't even give us the chance. I mean, it was it was shocking. Yeah, I loved it. Um, all right, on to today, and then we'll get into some other stuff. Um, but Eflin, let, let's go with the pitching, and then we'll talk about, like, the lineup and some of the other stuff going on. But, but just Eflin... Uh, your boy Damon Jones getting a shot today. Bailey Falter, like I still think he's good. It wasn't the the best day for Falter, but you know the blue pit sucked. But what was your impression of of the pitching today on a, a cold day out there, dude? Uh, so Eflin was fine. You know, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't what we saw in his last start down in spring training. Um, but he still he still battled through it and and gave them. Good quality innings, which is how is what you need. Um, sometimes I was a little surprised the strikeout numbers were down. Uh, he threw actually he threw one sinker that was probably the nastiest pitch I've seen Zach Eflin ever throw. Um, also had a lot of like it felt like at least anecdotally, but in watching it felt like there were a lot of like potential third strikes just fouled off, like tipped off, like almost you know like I feel like there were two or three strikeouts there that they could happen if it were not you know, barely tipped a ball type of stuff. You well, know? Ben May had a disaster day. I mean, he, Ben May yeah. was, was just uh, brutal. Um, so yeah, of course it was, but like the, the, the command wasn't how it usually is for Eflin. Like Eflin's usually a guy that can hit a spot when he needs to hit a spot. And I didn't feel like his, his command was as good as it had been um, in spring training. So, uh, that's definitely one to monitor against a better lineup. I'm not leaving the A's start uh, thinking, okay, here comes breakout Eflin season. It's kind of like, agree. it's kind of like, eh, fine. But yeah, I definitely need to see more from him. Uh, Damon Jones should have not been out there for the ninth inning. It's one of those things where it's one of those things where it's two, nothing it's April. It's the first series of the weekend. You don't have an off day for 13 days. Yeah, re- April 21st, so like thir- a week from this upcoming Thursday is their first off day, so yeah, it's a while. Do you really want to use another pitcher here, or do you want to just hope? It's absolutely what it was, but you also had the opportunity where a kid who you know hasn't had major league experience had like a really nice inning, and you could have kind of gave him that confidence boost and let him out on high. That's uh, the way I would have looked at it potentially, but yeah, no. And, and I think that's totally fair. And especially cause you see Segura lead off the next thing with the home run. And it's one of those things where 
my thing with Girardi sometimes is he that he does this too much. It feels like he like almost concedes games in some ways too quickly. He thinks about he thinks about 162 a lot. And yep. he, th- he thinks about the full yep. season a lot. He thinks that's why that's why he has his pitcher rolls of of back-to-backs totally. and and stuff like that, which is fine, I guess. I just I want to see it work out. Like I I it hasn't worked out the last couple of years where it feels like whenever he tries to stretch a guy that gets out of a big spot, it always backfires. And it backfired today. And I think he got lucky on Friday. Um it, listen, if they plan on freaking Brad Hand taking down like big middle relief innings for this team, it's it's just not going to work. Like it's not going to work. I want it to work. I want Brad Hand to be the old Brad Hand, but I just I have no confidence in that. So, but today it's like Damon Jones has a really good inning. His slider's looking wiped out. Um and it's a confidence builder. And instead of like, all right, we'll go bring someone else in because they actually do have some arms down there now. He puts them back out there, and of course they score two runs. Like, I just don't think that's that's just not smart managing. And he's not he needs to be better about thinking of the game now and not always worried about tomorrow because that's how, you know, you you look up and and especially with this lineup. Well, and especially like you should never be conceding games with this lineup. Like, this is a lineup that can come back in any situation. You know, they really can. Well, and especially with how this season's going to play out, and it's going to come down to a a game here and a game there, and you're going to need every game that you can. Um, when it, when it comes down to winning time, especially games against the A's, you know, right, right. You don't get that option very often. So, you know, I just, I think that's a dumb decision. I understand why he did it, but I just didn't think it was the right time for it. Bailey Falter's going to be fine. You know, I mean, his stuff was down a little bit today. Like it was 91, uh, versus the usual, like 93, 94. So you definitely want to see the velocity uptake, but again, it was cold. Um, and I still thought a slider had good bite, bite to it. Fastball still jumping on guys. Uh, you know, I mean, one is a little bleeder off the end of the bat, like whatever. So, um, you know, I think Bailey Falter will only get better as the season goes on, and I still trust him in middle relief roles. All right, uh, Girardi, the other stuff today, uh, you know, look, I get it. We talked about all the off days, but JT off day made sense, you know, pinching him late. Garrett Stubbs, nice bunter. Um, dude, you know, dude, you gotta do that. Hey, hey, winning ball clubs do that stuff. I'm just well, telling you. It was you. a great bunt. It really was. It was a great bunt. And look, I, you know, I didn't know t- a ton about Garrett Stubbs until he was affiliated. I looked, you know, he was in the Astros organization, you know, t- similar to our uh, Dodgers one, you know, generally in a lot of cases, that's smart. Um, and, you know, he's, he's better than Andrew Knapp, I think. So I think that's pretty much like the baseline for that. Um, uh, Carmago, uh, Camargo. Pick it. <laughs> Dude can pick it a little bit. Yeah, he can. And he is, uh, and I tweeted this earlier, earlier today, like he is going to help this team win games. Like it's such an upgrade going from Ron Torres to Camargo because there's actual like upside offensively with him. Um, and I think we, I don't know, we, I don't even know if we talked about it on the podcast, but it's the kind of guy where, you take a shot on him because of what he did at AAA. You know, I mean, they, they flashed the AAA stats today. And it was like 320 average, 400 OBP, and like 19 home runs. And couldn't crack a, a Braves lineup that was obviously loaded enough to win the World Series. So, you know, I think he's going to play a, a good amount here. Like, I, I think that there's a real shot that 
he works his way into the platoon there that they have with Stott and Bohm. And I, I maybe today, it, I don't know. Didi didn't look great over the weekend, just just hitting wise. So maybe they're kind of nor defensively either. Yeah. I mean, he was fine, but definitely had a couple spots where, you know, didn't feel super fluid. It just feels like it, it feels like they're gonna kind of go with a Stott, Didi, Camargo, Bohm, like rotating. And whoever, like, takes a job and, and runs with it kind of takes a job and runs with it. Uh, but I don't think Camargo is, like, just some afterthought. I, I think legitimately he could be in the mix here for more playing time as the season goes along, especially because he is a really good defensive player. And, clearly. Yeah. I mean, it's clearly obvious. Oh, yeah. it's like he made the, he made the over-the-shoulder over shoulder catch, and I was like, oh, was we're allowed to do that? Phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and I do think that it says something. And I know we know Girardi, right? You know, Girardi's not out there to to play guys for developmental purposes or anything. But it says something that you know, on a day where he was going to rest Didi, that he didn't put Stott at short and Bohm at third. You know, that you would think that from an organizational perspective, Alec Bohm would be, you know, if Stott's going to play short, like because I think Stott showed the most, obviously with his at bats, the. You know the the two hit day, the the walk. Like he's shown that you know five. He it was the stat today where they were like through like four innings or whatever, and they had only seen like twenty five pitches, and like yeah. Ilya, or five of them were were Stott or whatever. The whole team. Um, but um, you know, I think he proved like right now at least he certainly has the the best eye, the best feel at the plate without a doubt. But you would think that you know if he's a chore, Bone would be playing third. I think it certainly says something about how Girardi views it and how the team views it, that they, they gave Carmago a day on the first three days there, especially like we talked about with so many days coming up, you know, um, you know, it's, I think it says something to your point that they're going to, it's a real battle between those guys. I mean, he's, he's playing the third game of the season. He like, That's he's, it's, exactly. it's very early to, to be rolling out. Um, yeah. Especially, especially because Bohm had the day that he had, uh, on Saturday, where I was like, okay, maybe there is some signs of life here, but uh, it makes sense with the Eflin on the mound to to have a good defensive third baseman over there. So, but also like it made sense to have a good defensive third baseman when Kyle Gibson was pitching as well. So I don't I don't really know the rhyme or reason. I guess they just wanted to, they like the matchup for Bone better against the lefty, which you know. Makes sense, but yeah, I just think that I think there's a good a good player there, and I think as the season goes along, I think he's going to be very valuable, and hopefully they don't get to a point where they like need him to play all the time. But every time he gets right. in there, especially like late, winning teams have those guys, yeah. right? Those guys who don't play every day, but like when they play, they give you good innings, and they can come in late and make a big defensive play for you, or they can, if you need it, come up with a pinch hit single when you need it, like. Those players matter. Like, we don't talk about them because it's not how you talk about, like, you know, whether teams are really going to win or lose. But when the season's happening and you're in the grind of it, all those guys end up being super valuable. They do. They do. Um, and he seems like a guy that can, you know, be a, a late-inning defensive guy that they can bring in. Or when he plays, he's just going to be solid. I mean, I feel like the Phillies had a bunch of those guys in the middle 2000s, late 2000s teams, even, you know, uh, 2011. So, uh, very solid start, I guess, for Johan Camargo. Um, can definitely play third base. Can definitely the new Eric Brownlet is what you're yes. saying. You're just saying. Yes. Just saying. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, um, yeah, he's he's gonna help this team win ball games. All right. Um, I got a couple um like baseball notes. Uh, anything else on the weekend's action before we get to the take bag? No, I don't think so. Let's go to the All right, let me fire let me fire you my three like notes which are take baggish things and then we'll get to your take bag. 
Then I actually have three final thoughts. Oh, tonight. look at I'm this. Like, Dude, I'm locked and loaded. Fire right? on all Philly, cylinders. The Phillies are back. They're fun. We're going to have an awesome season. They're going to win the NL East. Like, I feel – I I know they lost today. I still feel more confident because the Mets lost to the Nationals, and the Nationals are even worse than the A's, just so you know. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, and, um, well, and the Braves lost to the Reds, who are who are just as bad as the, the A's. Yeah, dude, the, the that was one of my three notes that I was going to say around like, – the Nationals are like – the Nationals have Mike Franco starting for them. Do people realize that? Cesar is there. Like, Alcides Escobar, who I can't believe is still in Major League Baseball. Like, they're bad. Um, all right. Uh, two things. Uh, one, and one of these might be in your take bag, might not. But the first one, um, and I love it, and it makes me super happy that it's happened, and I still support it. But I will say, it was weird this weekend watching National League Baseball without the pitch hitting. Like, there were so many spots where I was like, oh, I wonder, like, are they going to pinch hit here or let them go deeper into the game? And I was like, oh, don't have to worry about that. And I'm happy. No. But it was weird. No, was you're not. Weird. No, like, you're it not. It happened, like, four different times where I was like, oh, yeah, duh, DH. Yeah. I thought about it today as I was watching. It was the, the first time all weekend it got to today where I was like, wow. Wow, that's I'm impressive because it hit me multiple times. No, it was it was like I all of a sudden Schwarber was batting after like <laughs> Beerlinger. I was like, oh, this is so not how it's supposed. To. There's supposed to be an automatic out here. Um, you know, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna turn back into my whole I miss NL baseball thing eventually. I I just I promise you. I I I don't know if I could do this for an entire <laughs> season. I I really don't. It is so much to. more boring. <laughs> you don't it, have to. Oh, uh, yeah. it's so much more boring watching a, AL style baseball. Like why did we have to get rid of why did we have to get rid of the pitcher hitting? It is a stop. Oh, stop. I just don't know why. I just don't know why we had to get rid of it. I really stop. don't. I'm sorry. This I'm sorry. That's all I have to silly. say. That's all I have to say. I don't know why we get rid of silly. it. I don't that, care. Right. I don't um, care. I don't care. All right. Uh, my last note, um, and this might be a newer take back as well. Potentially, okay. we were definitely texting about it, but um, I'm so happy they traded Spencer Howard. Like, I know, like you know, Gibson's 34 years old, and whatever we get from this year is great and all that. But like, that dude is a stone cold loser. And seeing Vladdy hit one 467 feet. The hardest hit baseball in the history of Blue Jays records of hard hit baseballs that they have. Um, and obviously, like, you know, everyone teeing off on him. Um, he's a loser. He's he's not good. No, he, they were right to trade him. Uh, just like and it was it was classic too, where it's 92 in the like, third inning. Um, and yeah, I I was why I usually never do the whole like. Not, I'm not rooting for him to fail, but I never do the thing where it's like, ha ha ha, you suck elsewhere. Yeah, like totally, thing. totally. But I was, I was watching today. I was like, yeah, that's all good, man. You're like, you were just. It's getting... more that I'm happy they traded him. Like, I don't want him to fail, but I look at it and I'm like, nice. I'm happy we got rid of this guy. Yeah, he's there. He, he's not going to turn it around. He is. I mean, just doesn't have it. No. Sometimes, dude, we saw it. Like all the like you know, tiring out and, like, all the excuses and all that. Like, we knew. Like, he just doesn't have it. Oh, well, I mean, like, I, I, I texted someone today. Like, oh, maybe if he was eating closer to his start, he would have been able to <laughs> to get Vladdy Jr. out. Like, the the things last year were, were out of control. Maybe if he didn't have to run in from the bullpen, oh, he would have been fine. Yeah, right? if, he, if he had to run down to first base, he would have been able to yeah, get through the third inning. Run from, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> just the um, worst. Just the absolute oh. worst. All right, um, I'm done with my notes. What do you got? All right, so a couple things to take back before the top five. Um, 
I love it. I keep, I keep, I'm not, I will start just promoting the top five the whole time. Just to be, I always forget. I love how when I get to the day, you're like, don't forget. I have a take. I have no, a that's all right. It's all right. Yeah, it's good. Um, yeah. I think the single most impressive thing of this entire weekend was Bryson Stott having a really tough bottom of the seventh. No, top mm-hmm. of the seventh. Uh, with with the errors and just not yep. looking crisp over a third base, and then bang, bottom of the inning has the double and bounces right back. And I and then made the two defensive plays right after it was like the first two balls hit right to him was like boom, boom, like got right back on the horse, which was great to see too. And I, we we've just seen James. You've been around. We've documented this a lot longer than I have. Um, but we've seen <laughs> nice subtle shot there. Not even subtle. Yeah. We've seen young athletes who have a tough time in the field or on the mm-hmm. basketball court or at quarterback and and they just <laughs> they just can't bounce back from it. And I thought Bryson Stott having that that inning where it was just like, Oh no, like please don't let this this crumble and bang gets a double next inning and, and gets back on track. I think that is so massive when we're talking about the future of him and and what he can be here. Because in baseball, there's going to be highs and lows. And I'm sure being with Bryce and being best friends with Bryce has has helped him from that standpoint. But he just seems like a really confident kid that even if he makes mistakes, he's going to be able to overcome it. I thought that was the single most important thing that happened this weekend. Dude, I, I, I love that you brought that up because I, I just have the same takeaway from him. And I've kind of always had it, especially you're right, when you see the Bryce stuff and the way he is with Bryce and all that, like, it just seems like this dude, like, believes in himself and is confident and is cool and kind of, you know, um, collected. And uh, I, I've just been, I'm really with you. And, and it, and it kind of carries through in the way he has his approach to the plate, right? I mean, he is, so for his, someone his age has such a, mature approach at the plate. So um, I'm with you. And again, like it was both offensively and he got those two balls rocketed right at him. And again, like we, we know he can play third base. He's a, you know, talented and, and good defensive player and he's a shortstop. So he has the range and all that type of stuff, but it is one thing to, you know, play third base. It's another thing to be a shortstop your whole life and play third base for like a week and then be like, Hey, major leagues, you're playing third base, you know? It's not always going to go perfectly. Um, so I'm with you. I thought that whole sequencing was was important, especially because it didn't end up costing him a game. Yeah, I mean, he chased a, he chased a one-two splitter in the dirt in like the third inning, and I was like, I've never seen him ever chase a pitch like that. I've never like he's always swinging at pitches that he knows he can do damage on. Um, it's just so funny. Like you can just see a Nola like meltdown coming from a mile away. Like he came, I thought it was fine that Girardi sent him out there first for the seventh. Like he was so good in the sixth that putting him back out there was not the end of the world. But like I was fine with it too. The first, like just the decision to put him back out there, but get him out quicker. Well, yeah, problem. I agree. The first pitch, missed as it, always, the the first pitch like missed his spot by seven inches, and it's like, oh, here we go, <laughs> you know. So uh, hopefully Girardi can be quicker with that kind of stuff. Overall, I mean, you take seven innings four runs from him, you know, I, I can't believe that's the where we're out there in Nola, but he has to be better. I mean, he just, he has to be able to get over that hump of like just shutting it down. And if, some, if things start finishing, to, yeah. he has to be able to finish. Well, and if things start to unravel, you have to be able to get back on track. So I, I'm, I just I need him to just figure it out, but I just, I can't, I can't fully trust him to do it, James. 
No one can. Like anyone who says they can is lying because I don't know how you possibly could. Obviously, he's talented. Obviously, he can do it. It's just been such a long stretch of time where he hasn't consistently. And there have been too many moments where this keeps happening. And it's the same thing. It's like we joked about at the beginning of the pod about how the the first game played out exactly like as a microcosm for what we expected the season to be with all the runs and then the bullpen, you know, and the defense and Nola, like, cause that's Nola being exactly what he's been. So yeah, like he needs to, he needs to, to figure it out before and, and, and do it for a, you know, month, two month period of time before people are going to actually start to think, Oh yeah. Like we we're getting, cause no one, like you said on the last pod, like don't expect 2018 Aaron Nola. That is never, ever, ever happening again. It was, it was the anomaly, but like three, two, three, five, Aaron Nola, that's something you, you can expect. I just don't know if it's going to happen and I need to see it happen. I agree. Uh, file this one under, uh, things to monitor going forward. Veerling is starting. Hold on. Let me pull up my things to monitor going forward tab so I can file it. All right. I'm ready. Everyone's out there doing the same thing as they listen to this podcast. (laughs) Veerling is slowly but surely starting to mirror what Kyle Schwarber does at the plate. They're starting to have the same little setup, starting to get crouched again. I could just, they're hitting today because they're pretty much back to back now. And I was like, wow, it looks like he's kind of doing. Because, I mean, Veerling's whole thing is having to lift the ball in the air. That's the one thing that's been holding him back. So who better to learn from than Kyle Schorber? So file that one away as the season goes on, as it looks like Veerling is starting to kind of mimic what Kyle Schorber does. And if you remember when Kyle Schorber got to Boston last year, he was instrumental in Bobby Dalback having, like, a really good second half of the season. So young guys seem to, to like being around him, and that was my one takeaway from watching Matt Veerling today. Yeah, and I think Veerling, as we kind of mentioned before, but of of every single player on the team, if you said, you know, the difference between just looking at the stat sheet after the weekend and watching all three games, like that dude hit the ball hard a ton. You know, it just seemed like most of the times he hit it hard, it was to somebody or it was a, a great fielding player, whatever. But um, I was, I definitely came away from the the first weekend of Matt Veerling's opportunity to kind of grab this job and run with it more impressed than not with Veerling. Well, and I think it I think him and Mickey can be a good platoon. Or sure. Whatever. I think Absolutely. they can be. Of um, course. I thought their reaction to turning the double play on Saturday was hilarious. Like it was actually like the, it was actually like they had never turned a double play in their entire life. I know. You know, yeah. <laughs> they were so so happy they did it. It's like, I don't know. I, it was you you are major leaguers, you know. <laughs> like you're supposed to be able to make that play, but hey, you know, whatever. Whatever keeps the good vibes going. Um, and my final one, no cream uniforms today because Fanatics wasn't ready for the season. Hey, what are we doing? It's not their fault. It's, it's Fanatics fault. No, it's just very funny. Like, it's like, you know, of course that would happen to us. It's like, so, you know, on brand for the history of the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah. All right. Also, how about Gene Segura, by the way, being the Phillies home run leader after the weekend? We all saw that coming, right? Never a doubt. Like, like we always said. Like we always All right, top five it up for me, buddy. Top five things that made me smile over this weekend. James. Love it. Love no, it. Number five is the Lions back at Citizens Bank Park because, boy, were they back. Um, <laughs> it was funny. They, like, panned to the crowd uh, on opening day, and it was like Ashburn Alley was, was 
it looked like it was back, like back to it the. It was back. It was like a sea of people. Yeah, and it just hasn't been like that in a while. And sure, in the moment, was it frustrating getting around, seeing all these frauds who had not been there uh, during the <laughs> during the last decade? Was it annoying? And was I, you know, saying, "Ah, oh, fraud, 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 like fraud"? Um, but it was good to see the lines back because you know that means that the fills are back. Number four is Clubhouse interviews being back like it was so cool oh, yeah buddy like we don't have to do a zoom thing anymore i saw cassianos playing ping pong with his son which was cool uh it felt like baseball being back and kind of you can just see more of the guys personalities which i think is important so with you uh, so with you like, you feel that, closer to the players you feel like you know them better it's yeah. so important and that's how the broad street thing happened where no one knows where it is which is like you know it seems like it's a bit of a problem here with the Phils. We don't know yeah. how to get to the stadium. Might need to do a uh, you know a little like tour around Philly type thing with these yeah. guys. Maybe take them to the Liberty Bell, get them a cheesesteak, yeah. run the Rocky uh, stuff, all that stuff. You know the Listen. the 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 standards. Yes. Uh, number three was obviously Stoddy's first hit. I mean, every first hit always just makes <laughs> I love me smile. The obviously, obviously, yeah, obviously, Stoddy's first hit. I mean, that just. It puts a smile on your face, um, and you know it just—he's gonna be—he's gonna be really good here for a really long time. I don't he's know. He's a ball player. He feels like a ball player. Yeah, I don't know I what think, his upside yeah. is. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think he's just gonna be a really, really good player here for a long time. It's gonna help this team win ball games, which I will take. Uh, number two is how fast the Sir Anthony inning was. It was like, it was just like, oh, it's over. Uh, that's crazy. I didn't think that was possible. Late inning uh, situation. I didn't know it was possible for it just to be free and easy and and done. So the Sir Anthony inning made me really happy because I'm also thinking about the future. If Again, if they get Sir Anthony Knable in the back of that dude, bullpen. Dude, it, dude. I, like he's one of the like players who changes the, to your point, what you said before, like about like where if you get, you know, a certain thing from Kyle Gibson, you know, if he's a four, it changes the whole perspective of the season you know sir anthony's one of those guys too who if you know if he could be you know even some variation of what we he was when he first came up in terms of effectiveness and and uh utility in terms of where he could be used and all that stuff like i mean that's like a, such a massively important player for for a team like this you know yep and number one obviously the Schwarby home run. Yes. Just... I, if it wasn't number one, I was going to be so, and I knew by the time we got to one, it had to be there. I would have been so disappointed because we were together. Like we were, you called it, you know, you said on the pod in for posterity, he's going to lead the season off with a home run. It was magical. The energy was insane. Ah, it was so great. I know. It was so great. And, and, and I know you, like I did, immediately thought of the video yearbook and, <laughs> <laughs> and how we're going to look back on that moment as the moment this team had something special. And just the, the, the dugout reactions were awesome. Um, and the dugout reactions all weekend long, except for today, which didn't happen, um, was great. Yeah, the Cassie, the Harper reaction to, to Cassiano's yeah, like, homer was awesome. They seem, um, they it's early, but they seem really close, which I didn't yeah. totally feel the last couple of years. And we had the back to backers with Hoskins on Segura on Saturday, which was fun too. I love every I love um, every time Reese does anything. Uh, yeah, well, Reese had a good up until today, and he had that one ball that was smoked to center that got caught. But um, Hoskins looks really good. You know, it was what like four for six the first two games or whatever it was four for seven, but like hitting the ball the opposite way, hitting the ball hard, good at bats. Seemed like he felt comfortable up there. Was taking pitches, but but still aggressive. You know, he's a player I was, you know, I was really impressed with his at-bats this weekend. Yeah, and my thing with Reese is, like, he's been here for so long. 
I just want to see him get to the postseason, and I, I just I like seeing him do things because well, he's like our, just, a homegrown well, guy. Even, yeah, even just like it's funny you mentioned that because I was you know when we had uh, we were there for opening day and a certain brand to go pick up Zoe and I was listening to Scott in L.A. and they were talking about it was like right when the like big rally happened they they scored you know it was like five nothing or whatever it was and and they were talking about how intense it was in the ballpark and how there was real electricity there. And he was like, and LA was like, yeah, he's like, it was after a Hoskins hit. And he was like, yeah, he's like, you know, uh, Reese Hoskins still like always talks about how he wants to see what the ballpark's like when there's like real, when they're good and when there's real energy and they're like, yeah, like you need to win to see that. But if you do, this place is amazing, you know, and, and how this fan base can be so electric and so amazing to play for night after night. And it was just crazy to think about the fact that Reese Hoskins has never really seen it. Like he had like a series or two or whatever, you know, it's, um, and obviously, you know, he's like the, the face of those type of guys with this team. who have been here for a really long time. Um, it just would be good to see him. And obviously the group get to see this city, you know, when it's really on fire with the Phillies, cause it really can be and, and will be if they're good. Yeah, and uh, just, you know, when Harper first stepped to the plate, the reaction he got, it's just like, I, I couldn't imagine not wanting to play here. I really couldn't. Um, and he gets MVP. us. MVP. Oh, it's MVP. Just, it was, the reaction was incredible. So yeah. um, I think the players felt how awesome the city was this weekend, and I know we felt it being in the ballpark. So uh, good for this team. Love it. All right. Um, big series with the Mets coming up, obviously. Um you know, I was a three game series. We'll probably record Wednesday or Thursday. We'll figure it out. Obviously, there's not going to be off days, so we'll figure out the recording. But we will obviously be back after the Met series in some form or another. And also uh, Wednesday, check us out at WIP, oh! a little High Hopes midday show. So uh, day game, 105 starts. I think Fritz and I will be on like from like 10 to 1230, I guess, between the midday show and, and leading off. Um, so it'll basically just be I Hopes. We're obviously be talking Phillies. So. Um, check that out. Um, and, uh, this is good. Any final thoughts for it? Oh, and check for, if you're like a, if you're a real one, you listen to this like super quick. Jack's probably got like another two hours left on the radio tonight. He's on eight to 11 on WIB. So oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, call in and talk fills. Um, no, it's just good. It's good to have them back. It was good to get that first little heartbreak out of the way today. Um, you know, it's, it's always depressing the first loss, but you know, is what it is. Positive weekend. Yeah. Positive. And at vibe. least to to not steal your phrase, today really did feel like a loss. Yeah. Like the whole time. It yeah. just felt like they were gonna lose. Even like Eflin, you know, you know, didn't give up any runs, but you know, had needed the the slick double play uh to get out of the bases loaded, no outs jam, and it felt like they were jam after jam and just they didn't have it today. And sweeps um, are bad. Right. Sweeps are bad. All right. As uh, as advertised from before, three final thoughts, three completely separate final thoughts. One, um, I have decided, you know, the the Cleveland Indians formerly uh, used to be like my AL team. If I had to pick an AL team, it would be the Indians. Now they're the Guardians. Guardians. It's super weird to see it, the Guardians. I've decided I'm going to call them the Cleveland Ians to combine the two. Oh, wow. Are you, are you good with this? Like, And it doesn't really matter much because I don't talk about them that much. But like when I text about it or something, I'm probably going to go Cleveland Ians. What do you think? I wish I it was. Really need, I need your opinion on this. I wish it made more sense. Like if they had Ian Anderson. Oh, Guardians. Well, I can't. Instance. I can't call them Guardians. Part, I, I, no, I, but it's the two parts of the I name that, that are the same. The I A N S at the end of the name. Like it's the same thing. So that's my point. I think honestly, 
like I did with Washington, is I just started calling him Cle- like I started calling the Washington football Cleveland. team Washington. I, I can't do the Ians thing because it's not even close. You know, I mean, it's like well, semi close. I mean, Indians, I know. Guardians, I know. Ians. Yeah, yeah no, nah, right. I can't. So, do it. so this is a terrible, shot terrible this idea. It's a really, incre- really bad idea. Uh, it's incredibly disappointing. Just do, I'm, I'm at, just say Cleveland. Very, I'm very hurt by this. All right, next thing. I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. I might forgive you someday. I'm definitely have not yet. Um, PSA. I mentioned this before. Um, I think on the air um, and other spots, whatever. But like, it keeps coming up. I just had a text conversation with someone about it today. Uh, for the parents out there, so Jack, you know, you know, this won't affect you yet, but someday you're gonna have kids, and and you can think of it down the road. Um, Bluey, the show Bluey on Disney Plus is the Great best, things. yeah, the best kids show by by light years like nothing zoe watches is even in the hemisphere of how good this thing is like there's seven minute episodes it's about a family of dogs the highest of recommendations if you have kids watch bluey yeah no um i'm with you on that uh because oh my goodness i did not expect this no when we were when we were in hawaii i mean bluey was their show that would calm them down whenever they were starting to melt down so you know just put the put now i don't know you put an episode great on, show. and you just you kind of get a little time to take a breath. So, yeah, Bluey yeah. is all-timer. I'm surprised you had it above it. Paw Patrol. Oh. Yeah. Well, we watch Paw Patrol, too, but Bluey is so much better. Bluey is the best. Um, all right, and my last thing, um, and this is, like, such a cheat of a final thought, but, like, I really felt it all weekend. I'm so happy baseball's back, man. Like, there I'm so is. happy, like, obviously just having the Phillies game on, and then, you know, when the Phillies game ends, I'm putting on, you know, I'm watching the the Blue Jays and I'm watching the Reds beat the Braves and I'm watching the Mets and Nationals and it's just it's like my happy place and I know it's your happy place and I know it's the people who listen to this podcast happy place so just uh you know a a a group you know acknowledging of of just how happy I am how grateful I am that that it's back buddy. Well yeah and I was watching uh I was watching Mets Nationals last night and while having something else on the regular TV, so I'm not, you know, just hogging the TV. From yeah, jail, from yeah. Jail. And it's the beauty of it is that, like, again, whether it's a, with a kid, it works too. Like Bluey on one TV, Mets Nationals on the other. With Emily, show we watch together, Mets Nationals on the other. It's beautiful. Yes, and it's it's so easy to watch. You know, it's just like you, you, turn, you, you, you yeah, you look down and there's a ball in play. Or you look down, there's a strikeout. Uh, helps having money on the games, um, but when you, <laughs> even when you don't. It's not that bad. All right. Uh, check, check out tonight. Check us out on Wednesday. We'll be back with a pod soon, too. And uh, don't worry about the loss today. This team's good. They're winning the NL East. They're going to be good. This season's going to be awesome. He's spread themselves towards the Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend 
or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 